0: Well, good morning. You've already said that, but I have to say it again. So, It's nice outside, isn't it? Yeah. It's not muddy out in the parking lot, is it? No. Well, I'm a little bit tired this morning, a little bit weary. There's good reasons for that. Some of them I'll tell you about and some of them I won't, but So let's have a word of prayer, because I know I need it, whether you do or not. So Father, this word is your word. You give it to us to teach us, to train us. You talk to us through your word. So Lord, help me to be faithful to it today, and and may you be honored and glorified, and may your people, hearing your word, be encouraged to change, to grow, and to become more like you. And we give you the honor and glory for it, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as I walked in the door, I uh, said hello, hello, and then there was a lady standing there who was kind enough to say, Remember me? Now, it can't, it had to have been more than 10 years, probably 15, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And, yes, that's Twila right over there. That's the lady. And if you don't like being pointed out, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, uh. but I looked at her, and all of a sudden, it did come to me. And after that, I saw Steve. Now, now, we go way back, even before our time. Certainly, now, how many generations in Lyon County, your family, Twila? Your grandparents lived there. Your great-grandparents lived there. Okay, well, certainly our great-grandparents and our grandparents must have known each other. Maybe they were friends. What we don't know is if we're cousins. I don't know. I haven't checked it out. But it was a small place. It really was. So uh of course I I, I met Stephen Twilla many years ago up in Canada at a lake. And that's another story for another time. But it's important to know, and I did. I said, Well, Twila, it's important to know who you're talking to and who you're and, and what you're talking about. Now, we've come in a series talking about Abraham. Now, some of you either are really liking this or, well, you probably wouldn't be here anymore if you really didn't because uh, we're going through the life of Abraham and we're learning things for our life and how we, just like he, needed to grow and change. And the closer that he got in his relationship with God, the more he became God-like. We say Christ-like, God-like, kind of throws you off a little bit. But he began to walk and talk in a way that people could recognize. Now we've talked about, uh, so far it's been eight sermons, and, and uh, this, well, this will be the eighth one. So we talked about his journey. We talked about his lies in Egypt. We talked about him then being really a nice guy and letting his nephew choose. Then we talked about Abraham and Melchizedek and uh, how he gave his offering to that person who I believe was uh, a personification of Christ. Then the, the, the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, what that means, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, and we found out, oh, Abraham's just like the rest of us guys. Uh, sometimes he didn't listen to his wife when he shouldn't have. Other times he didn't listen when he should have. Then um, we learned about Ishmael and new names and here comes Ishmael, God who hears. We, we learned about El Shaddai, all powerful God. We learned about Abraham, father of a multitude. We learned about Sarah with a new name. She went from being Krabby Pants to Princess. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a derivation, basically, it was contentious. But how many of you use that word? Did any of you say to your wife this morning when she was fussing with you to get ready? Oh, honey, don't be so contentious. No, you didn't. You probably don't have the guts to do that, but you (laughs) should. Um, Now, this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. You might not think that when you start reading chapter 18, because it's about the Lord, the angel of the Lord. That would be Jesus before his birth in Bethlehem, he appears to Abraham here, and there's a conversation, and we'll get to that. And he talks with him. Now, it's important to know who you're talking to. They tell this story back in the day before cell phones, and for you younger ones, there was a day when you did not have cell phones. And you actually had to walk and pick up the phone and dial. So they say back in the day, there was a, a lowly private in the pool, at the car pool in the Army. And a phone rang, and this very loud, important-sounding voice said, "Uh, Private, I need two limousines at the parade ground in 15 minutes. And the private didn't know who it was, and he says, Oh, is that for, for those fat, slob generals again? And it was quiet, and then the voice said, Private, do you know who this is? He said, No, sir, I do not. He said, This is General Wilson. And the private said, General Wilson, do you know who this is, sir? And he said, I do not. And he said, see you around, fatso. (laughs) And hung up the phone. You can decide whether that worked out or not. So, okay, now you're awake. It is important to know who you're talking to, isn't it? We talk differently to different people, don't we? Some of you worse than others and better than others. But let's read first... Out of chapter 18, if you have your Bibles you can turn there and I'm going to read several verses Um, and we'll start with verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold three men were standing by him and when he saw them he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread, and you may refresh your hearts, and that, that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine at meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well-advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed when in herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. And the story goes on, and we'll pick that up as we move through the the message for time's sake. You can argue with me if you want whether or not this is Jesus before his time at uh, Bethlehem. But he, Abraham certainly thought this was a divine being. You don't see 100-year-old men running around and scurrying and falling on their face and slaughtering a calf and telling his wife to get the food ready, washing the guy's feet and calling him, Lord, Lord. Nor do you find people like this who would say, "Uh, why did your wife laugh? How did he know that his wife's name was Sarah? How did he know he was Abraham? This guy doesn't ask any questions. But this sets up then the story. And so the story goes like this. It's, it's uh, siesta time, probably. Looks like in the afternoon, heat of the day, and Abraham is sitting there in his tent. And uh, these three guys arrive in verse 2. And uh, Abe runs out and bows down to him. And then in verse 3, he uses the title, My Lord. In verse 4 and 5, he invites them to lunch. Now, that's a nice thing to do. Um, Abraham hurries around, he was in a hurry. Abraham, and then Sarah laughs. Now, it's interesting. The Lord knew immediately. The Lord knows your thoughts. He knows my thoughts. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes we don't like that so much, but he knows them. And then uh, Sarah lies. I didn't laugh. Sometimes we tell really dumb lies, don't we? I, 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 I yeah. I recently came across an email from... Uh, uh, patrolman and uh, state patrolman and he was actually so he traveled with the uh, lieutenant governor on one of the trips and 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 he actually was uh, he was a lot of fun and he had he had a really good story so we got to tell stories one night and we said well do you have a good one he said well this one happened two days ago I I pulled a guy over because he was weaving all over the road while he was texting and uh you know so I told him to stop and uh, the, since he was not in a marked car, the guy who was driving the car decided to greet the patrolman in a very friendly way with his hand, after which the patrolman told him to pull over. And he walked up and he said, look, sir, I, 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 you are texting, you're weaving all over, uh, you need to stop doing that. At that point, that's all that was going to happen. And the guy looked at him and said, well, I don't have a phone. Now, this is how he said, I don't have a phone. I don't have a phone. What's that thing in your hand? I don't know. Now, that's how dumb a lie it was for Sarah. Oh, I didn't say that. Well, yes, you did. This is what she said. And El Shaddai, the all-powerful God, says, (laughs) yeah, you're 90 years old. I know, it's kind of odd, but uh, I'll be here a year from now, and you'll be having a baby. Now, we've talked about that here, that... uh, None of you who are 90 or 100 want that to happen. But God knows what he's doing. Now, from verse 16 on, it's very interesting, and this is called the divine soliloquy. And I won't say that word again. I just It's such a cool word that I wanted to use it once. In verses 16 to 19, God is talking to himself. The angel of the Lord is having a conversation with himself, and we get to listen in. There may be other times like that in Scripture, but this is a rare one for me. So in 16 to 19, uh, then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And we get to listen in. So the Lord is saying, hmm, should I, should I tell Abraham what I'm going to do? Or shouldn't I tell him? He deserves to know this. He's going to be a great leader. And so in verse 20 to 21, God speaks to Abraham. It would be interesting to note, he speaks in in Abraham's language. Abraham didn't have any trouble understanding him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So Abraham listens. He understands what's going to happen And then begins an interesting conversation between Abraham and the angel of the Lord. The Lord. So in verse 22, the men turn away. They go towards Sodom. But Abraham is, is, is still stood before the Lord. So Abraham's thinking, now Abraham knows who lives in Sodom. His nephew, Lot. Now, Abraham has had good times with Lot. He's had bad times with Lot. He's gone off and rescued Lot. He's brought him back, and Lot went down to Sodom again. Some of you have nephews like that. Some of you have sons like that. Sometimes some of you have daughters like that. Some of you are like that. I have 30 minutes to think between my house and here. And sometimes I say, Lord, why me? I love to preach, but why why, why would you want me to do this? Some of you think the same things. That's the way life is. So Abraham knows about Lot, knows that he's there, and he says, okay, Lord, I got a question for you. And so starts this whole series of questions. And uh, so Abraham says to him, In verse 23, and Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So he starts an argument based on God's justice, not on God's mercy, but on his justice. And uh, suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the, all the earth do right? Now, I really think Abraham was a little bit on shaky ground there, because here you're trying to trap God. Do you ever do that in your prayers? Lord, you said. You said, and I did, and so therefore this has to happen the way I want it to. Think about it. So begins. And, and 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 the Lord answers him. The Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I am but dust and ashes and have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. And, he, and so he goes on. Abe is probably trembling, maybe his voice is quivering and his knees are shaking. And he says, well, Lord, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says, what if there are 45 righteous? And the Lord says, if there are 45 righteous, I won't destroy the city. Well, what if there are, uh, oh, excuse me, forgive me, what if there are 40 righteous? What if there are 30 righteous? What if there are 20 righteous? And now he's really getting down. And so in verse 32, he says, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak what once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. What do you think Abraham told Sarah that night in the tent? You know, I I don't know. I wonder he might have said, "Say, Sarah, you will not believe this. I saved Sodom." And he might have recounted the story. Now Sarah could have reacted one of two ways. She could have said, "Abraham." Or she could have said, "Oh, Abraham, you're you're the man. <laughs> I mean, wow. You got this thing going on with God." You know? And maybe Abraham thought about it this way, why ten? Well, maybe he thought okay, there in the in the in in, in Sodom, I know there's a lot of unrighteous people, but we've got Lot and Mrs. Lot, so that's two, and we've got his two daughters, that's two more, so now we've got four. The two daughters are engaged to be married, so they must have found righteous men so the, so so you take those two and now we're up to up to six, and those righteous men must each each have a mother and a father that they're righteous. We got 10. We got 10. Well, of course, if we jump ahead in verse uh, in, in 19 and, w- and we read in verse 27, And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And he probably thought he failed. But the Next verse says this, And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities which Lot, where Lot had dwelt. So, there's the story. Promises of God for children and a conversation of God with himself and a conversation with Abraham and God. So here are some lessons for life. And the first one is, the closer our friendship with God, the more we will know God's intentions. Abraham is called a friend of God three times in Scripture. It's not a term often used of other people, but Abraham is called a friend of God. There he was. He was eating lunch under the tree with his friend, with God, with his friend. I have a question that I want to ask you, and that is, are you God's friend? You talk with God. I'm not talking so much here about a laundry list or a shopping list, but you talk with him. Now, if you guys haven't figured out yet that uh, Thor loves to pray, you're zombies. (laughs) He loves to pray. Now that that there'd be a long conversation, I, I know that some people seemingly enjoy praying, other people don't seem to enjoy praying, and other people don't pray. But do you have friends? Do you do you talk to each other? Do you talk to your friends? If you don't talk to them, they're not your friends. Any of you remember that song? Let us. And I, I, I'm not a good singer, but let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let, him, let us tell him all about our sorrows. You can sing that. Talking is praying. It's not rote memory. It's interesting with Protestants in prayer, and I preach in a number of different churches. Okay, So sometimes I'm preaching in a church that I I'd call very traditional, and so we're going to say the Lord's Prayer there every Sunday. And I would say sometimes you're missing out by not doing that, by not saying the Lord's Prayer, because there is so much there if you think about it when you're praying it. And then I would say to them, you guys are missing out by praying it every Sunday because you pray it every Sunday and you don't think about it. But Protestants are interesting. We ask God for things. And a lot of people don't pray because, well, he doesn't hear me anyway. We, I asked him to heal. I asked him to give, and I didn't get it. I remember one time there was a Kichu Indian who came to me uh, with his wife, and he said, would you pray for my wife? And I said, well, sure, I can pray for your wife. I said, but uh, why do you want me to pray for your wife? And he says, well, she got sick, so I took her to the church and asked the deacons to pray for her, and she didn't get better. So then I asked the pastor to pray for her, and she didn't get better. And so then, the her, and get, and so then after that, he said, I wasn't sure what to do, so I took her to the witch doctor. And he couldn't make her better, so he said, I figured that maybe if I come to the missionary and you pray for her, sure enough, she'll get better. And I said, so you want Jesus and the devil to take hands and heal your wife. It ain't happening. The only person here that needs to be hailed is you. But we ask and we don't get what we want, then we say, well, I'm not praying anymore. Now, how would that work? I'll just pick on them because they just got here. Now, Steve, how would that work with Twilla? Do you like cookies? You don't like cookies? You like cookies. Does Twila ever bake cookies? Okay. So if you wanted them, what would be the best way to get the cookies? Washing dishes. All right. Twila, does he wash dishes? Once in a while. Okay. You want the cookies, you say, I would like cookies. When they say, we don't, oh, what should we have for lunch today? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what you get. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but we don't talk to God. And uh, we say we're only going to bother him for the big stuff. Well, I'll let you know that everything for God is, or, you know, for the big Everything for God is little. His purposes are way above us. And what's gone wrong? Well, here's what I think has gotten wrong. And I needed to study this message this week for the next phrase, and it's this. We have forgotten that intercession is the second purpose of prayer. It is not the first purpose of prayer. We don't just pray to ask for things or pray for people. We, our first purpose is fellowship and intimacy with God. Do you talk to him? Do you listen? Man, I guarantee if you have an unhappy marriage, there's not much communication going on. If your relationships are breaking down inside this church, it's because one of the reasons is there's not communication going on. How do you know what God wants and how do you know him if you're not talking with him? And I fall into that trap. Let me tell you what, I know what I'm talking about. If we flip over to John 15, 15, and you don't have to because I've got it marked, but if you're, well, you're a raised Baptist, some of you could do it because you know what a sword drill is. But in John 15, 15, Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. We are friends, and friends talk to each other. They talk to each other in the car. They talk to each other walking down the road. They talk to each other while they're sitting at the desk. They talk to each other when they're getting up in the morning. They talk to each other. Well, you know, most friends don't talk to each other in the shower. But you can talk to God when you're in the shower. I preach some great sermons in the shower, I'll have you know. <laughs> talk. Open up your heart. You know, God already knows those awful thoughts that you have in there. Get them out. Because as you talk to him, oftentimes I'll be talking to God about something. I'll say, "You know, Lord, I'd sure like that guy to fall down and smash his teeth out on a rock, just like David said in the Psalms." So you can, you know, that's biblical. (laughs) And uh, and while I'm praying, and the answers are, oh yeah, yeah, he probably thinks the same about me. But are we talking? Are we building that relationship? Intercession is the second purpose of prayer. The number one reason is intimacy and friendship with God. So you have to develop your friendship with God, you have to enjoy your friendship with God, and when you do that, after a while, you begin to pray what he wants. Did you hear that? You begin to pray what he wants. There is a part of the Lord's Prayer that says, thy will be done. You 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 really need to pray that after you've asked for health, and after you've asked for the teachers, after you've asked for energy in the morning, after everything, because His will is perfect and our will is imperfect. You pray what He wants. Friends, know stuff about each other. Do you talk to God or do you talk? with God. Talk with Him. Number two, God may deny your request, yet choose to give us what He really, what we really want. So remember when we pray, God often answers yes, no, or wait. He doesn't ignore us. He hears our prayers. He says yes, no, or wait. But prayer always brings about a response. It might be denied. It might be delayed. It might be disguised. There may be things you'll pray for years at the right time. It will happen. Sometimes it's disguised. Abraham said to God, please... In all of that conversation, God knew his heart, and he was saying, please save my nephew Lot. Don't destroy the city, Lord. Save my nephew. Save my nephew. Don't destroy the city. And then the Lord said, I'm not going to do it your way. I'll do it my way. It never occurred to Abraham that God would take Lot out of the city before he destroyed it, but that's what he did. God had a better plan. He does things in a way that we would never imagine, I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when we've got the, a terrible problem or a small problem, we sit around and we think about it and we imagine, oh, I think, well, if this happened and this happened and this happened, so that would all work out then. So, Lord, Lord, if you would just tell Bob to call Fred and say this, then everything would work out. So, oh, Lord, please have Bob call Fred. Please have Bob call Fred. And the Lord is sitting there thinking, I created a bunch of nincompoops. <laughs> That's how I feel. I mean, I come up with these great plans. The question is, Lord, here is the problem which you, are, which you know about. Lord, please help us to bow to your will. Help us to know you more. Help Bob to know you more. Help Fred to know you well. Help all of us to bow to your will, submit to you, Lord, and bless us and lead us on. But because you can't figure out how God is going to do things. I I promise you can't, because his ways are higher than our ways. Uh, In Scripture, we have the example of King David, when he said, Lord, I'd like to build you a temple. And the Lord said, no, David, no, no, you won't build me a temple. But by the way, I'm going to build you a house, so let's get to it. And by the way, I will have your son build my temple. Thank you very much. Glad you brought it up. The prayer is answered, but not in the way we expect our children. I have three children. Most of you know that. One is named Natasha. She turned 26 years old yesterday. By the way, you guys actually know her. And uh, I pray for her. I worry about her. and I just have learned to commit her to the Lord and say, Lord, help her to fall in love with you. I've got a stepson named Juan and he drove down to university yesterday and, you know, going back from spring break and His mom and I sat there last night, we prayed, oh, Lord, put some wisdom in his head, draw him to you, because I don't know how, and I have been so concerned about him, and, and I prayed, Lord, help him to have a desire for you, help him to have a desire for you, so he and I were outside yesterday, was helping me pick some stuff up in the morning and put stuff away, and. And I said, oh, because he told me he was going to a Bible study. I said, oh, how's that Bible study thing going? Oh, he says, you know, it's really good. He says, I like it. And he says, we're learning, about, we're learning this, and we talk, you know, we read verses, and we, we talk, and then we pray. And he said, it's really good. And he said, I don't know what you think. He said, the other two, the two leaders, they, they asked me if I'd go with them for leadership training, and maybe, maybe I could take that over next year. Time stood still. I mean, if I were to tell you that I am now going to dance ballet for you up here, you would be less shocked than I was. I said, well, I I think that's a great idea. Oh, he said, I thought you might. (laughs) So we pray by the Lord's will. But we remember he may do it in a way we don't expect. Now, finally, I want to I talk about you, and I want to encourage you a little bit, and I want you to understand who you are. The impact of the righteous, this is number point number three, the impact of the righteous is greater than their numbers suggest. There were ten in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God said, if there are ten righteous there, I will not destroy it. The presence of followers of Christ in the world protect the world from God's judgment. There are righteous in the United States. There are righteous in Minnesota. There are righteous in Jackson, and you are some of them. And God withholds judgment on the wicked men and women of this world because of you. I, don't, I really want you to get this. You may be, think you are the worst, wobbly-kneed follower of Christ that has ever walked the face of the earth. And God says, you are righteous because I made you righteous. And because you're righteous, everybody around you is protected from the judgment of God. You ought to stand a little straighter when you look in the mirror. Not with pride, but of thankfulness to God to say, Lord, you put me here as salt and light and protection for this community. Now let me reflect you. Judgment comes on the world. You look around the world when you cast out the children of light. God just turns them over to their wicked deeds and they suffer the results. But it all comes back to friendship and trust. Now, I've got some pretty good friends around the world. Um, Probably my best friend is my brother. He's my older brother. Uh, As long as I've been alive, of course, since he's my older brother, uh, he's been there for me. And I have no fear to ask him for anything. Not at all. I can talk to him about anything. I know how he's going to react before I say it. And I have absolute trust and confidence. Because we're not just brothers, we're friends. I also have three sisters. I'm friends with a couple of them. (laughs) And I love the other one. But I know that I better be careful what I tell her. Because A, she can't handle it, and B, she should have, been a, should have owned a newspaper. She just spreads the word. So not just because you're children of God and that you're followers of Jesus Christ, does it mean you're qualified to say, I'm a friend of God? Are you a friend of Jesus? Do you know him? Do you talk to him? You talk to him in a normal way, not just, well, Lord, good morning, here I am, pray for Aunt Betty, and I pray for blah, 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 blah. amen, I'm good to go. No, you're not. Talk to it. There's a story that comes from a missionary. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a missionary in Central Africa, and I don't remember which country. She was from uh, England herself, and there was a Baby, She was a doctor, a medical doctor, and a, and a lady came in, she was in labor, and after several hours she gave birth to a premature baby, and the mother died. So now they had a two-year-old little child who was crying because she missed her mother and the baby, who they had to try to keep warm. And in the night there are cool uh, breezes that come through, so she said to the nurse, okay, uh, you go and get the box." with the wool and cotton in it where we put the babies and then and then get the hot water bottle and fill it with hot water and put it in there and we'll take care of the baby that way. And the nurse came back in a few minutes crying. She said, the hot water bottle burst. And it was the last one we had. Well, the baby made it through the night. And the next morning at prayers, Dr. Rosevere always gathered. She had an orphanage there. She gathered the children with her that wanted to pray and She says, Well, we're going to pray. If anybody wants to pray, okay, well, what can we pray about? Well, we have this baby that was born, and her little sister is here, or their older sister is here. She's crying. And so, as they prayed, little Ruth, it was her turn, and she said, Lord, good morning. This is Ruth. Oh, but you know that. Uh, uh, Lord, we got this baby here, and she needs a hot water bottle by noon, or she's going to die. Oh, and if you send that hot water bottle, would you send a dolly, too for her sister, so that she knows that we love her? Well, Dr. Rosevear said she sat there open-mouthed and thought, how do I handle this? Because God doesn't, you know, that, we're old-time believers. We know that he doesn't always do what we ask him to do. And so, but she closed with prayer. And as she was clothing, uh, closing with prayer, the nurse called and said, Doctor, doctor, uh, there's a package that just arrived car just dropped it off. So she walked and they opened the package. Here was a package. It was a 20-pound package. It had come from northern England. It had been shipped five months earlier. Now this is a true story, folks. And so they got together and Ruth said, ha! God sent the water bottle. God sent the water bottle. You know, as kids will do. Thrilled, Dr. Roosevelt said, oh Lord, please help her. I know there's no water bottle in there. So they began to unpack and here there was some, you know, there were there were bandages and there was some stuff for her and then she opened it and there it was. It was a water, hot water bottle and it was brand new and in perfect condition. And Ruth saw it and she laughed and she said, if that water bottle's in there, that dolly is underneath. And it was. And it was. The premature baby lived. And whether Ruth ever forgot that Lesson or not, Dr. Rosevear told that story till the day she died. It said, My greatest lesson of all my years on the mission field came from a little orphaned girl who just said, Lord, this is Ruth, and I need a hot water bottle. You know, when you're friends with God, you pray what He wants. Ruth was a friend of God, that little girl was. Are you a friend of God? The little girl was a friend of God, and when you are a friend of God, like Abraham, God's wants become your wants. As you become closer to Christ, Christ's wants become your wants. Are you a friend of Christ? Abraham was a friend of God, and when you are a friend of God, your wants become prayers. They just come out of you. Are you a friend of of God. In Isaiah chapter 65 verse 24 it says it shall come to pass that before they call I will answer and while they are still speaking I will hear. God hears your prayers. He hears your heart and he answers. Just imagine this church right here filled with friends of God. I don't think we're there yet, but you can be, you can be, let's pray. Lord, (laughs) this is Dan, but as Ruth said, you know that, and here we are, we're a group of imperfect believers, followers of your son Jesus, and we don't get it all right, Lord, but we want to. So, Lord, help your thoughts become our thoughts, and your wants become our wants, and your ways become our ways. I do lift up these folks here this morning, Lord, because there are struggles and sickness and sorrow and and sadness and difficulties and real life and aches and pains and all kinds of things, Lord, that we all face during the week. Lord, help us. Help us. To look for you each day, to know, Lord, that you're waiting there to hear us as we cry out to you, and to put your thoughts in our heart. Lord, help us to be readers of your word and people who are known as your friend. Thank you so much, Lord, for the salvation you've given us, but also, Lord, thank you for that friendship that you Offer to us as we walk through life. We thank you, Father, for your word, for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.